see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to their work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And it's always been a strange text for me that we've got this story in Acts where and it's Paul and Barnabas, these guys that are like on the same page, and it's the, the early church. This is like the, the perfect church. We, we long and we've got this idea that the church, when it was like in its infancy, was actually that was where the power was. God had just like kind of come down and it's close to that, and God's moving, and Paul is there. It's like these are the apostles, and yet they have this disagreement about John Mark going with. And they actually said, no, I don't think you should go with. I think you should go with. Enough for them to say, actually, we need to go our separate ways. And the way that it's communicated is it's not like, hey, Paul was wrong or Barnabas was wrong. It actually just says they disagreed. And they prayed and they obviously wrestled and they, they figured out, like, actually, God was in this in some shape or form. That instead of it being this terrible like separation it was a multiplication of what God was doing so instead of him having one team of Paul and Barnabas now you had Barnabas and John Mark going and you had Paul and Silas going and it ended up actually a multiplication of what God was doing rather than a division rather than a destruction of what God was doing because they allowed God to work in and through their lives in and through what he was doing it actually it multiplied and God used it for His glory, for their benefit. So I wanted to have a look at this just quickly, going through this story, just from like the three different characters. So you've got Paul, who... Um, basically, Paul described himself in Philippians 3. I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. Paul knew that he was a confident man. He, he knew what he was called to. God had basically grabbed hold of him and set him on fire and said, I want you to go and actually start churches. I want you to go and be my messenger. And I'm going to go plant churches. And it's like he, he was decisive. He knew what he was doing. He was going and he had this vision of what God had for him. And he can say this like, I knew who I was. And it's like it, it comes out in the story that like Paul was certain like actually like I had this mission to accomplish. And John Mark previously had been on a journey with us and he, he backtracked. And it's like, I don't know if I can trust that guy. So I have to actually surround myself with the people that I can trust. And so you can understand Paul's perspective. And it's like, it makes complete sense. It's like, I, I understand Paul. It's like, for the sake of the mission, we have to be on the same page. We have to be united. We have to be like going with the same vision. And I can see Paul through this. And yet, you see through Paul's life, he starts to actually hold his like incredible conviction with more humility. Because he says, but whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. 
Indeed, I count everything as lost for the sake of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. In 1 Timothy, he even writes later on in life, and he says, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That, um, that's the wrong verse. <laughs> 2 Timothy 4, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me in my ministry. So years later, we can actually see that despite Paul like, having a strong opinion of Mark, he actually saw later in life there was this incredible restoration of relationship and partnership. And he's saying, bring him with, because that boy is helpful for me. Because you look at Mark, and that's the second guy I want us to look at. John Mark was a boy from a broken home, but he grew up in church because his mom was where they had church. It's like somebody coming here that doesn't have a father and he's sitting in church. And it's like we get to judge John Mark where it's like, oh man, he was partnering with Paul and Barnabas. Like, why would he back out? It's like, man, he's also a kid that for the first time is 600 kilometers away from home. Like, I don't know if you've been on your first like missionary experience or ministry experience or like Christian camp. Or, it's like, man... I went on Christian camps, asked my parents. I got removed from Christian camps for uh, taking some certain beverages along. <laughs> we were just taking refreshments, just because we weren't sharing with everybody. <laughs> but I've I got a soft spot for John Mark, because it's like, man, I can understand where he's coming from. I can understand being... It's like... It's basically the difference from like being here in Pretoria to down in Durban. But there's no quick communication. There's no Skype. There's no WhatsApp. There's no quickly getting back. This is a journey. And for whatever reason, he backed out. But the beauty is that Barnabas, who was his cousin, saw something in him. And he said, John Mark, I know that you've backed out before. But there is a future for you. And he saw an identity in him. And he's like, despite your mistakes, despite you backing out, despite you having a difference of opinion at a time, and despite us having a big disagreement, I'm going to back you. To the point where I'm going to, I'm going to separate myself from Paul, who is the apostle at the moment. He is the guy who ends up writing nearly 25% of the New Testament. And Barnabas says, you know what? For the sake of John Mark, that nobody else rates, I'm going to back you. And I'm going to risk on somebody that's backed out of ministry, that doesn't have the qualification, that doesn't have maybe what it takes. I'm going to say, I back this guy. And I'm going to speak life into him. And I'm going to support him. And I'm going to encourage him. And I'm going to speak identity over him. And say, you are worth it. And you can do it. And you can do it. And you can actually be a part of what God is doing. So much so, you can write scripture. Because Mark goes on to write the Gospel of Mark. One of four men that wrote a biography of Jesus that changed the world. And that was the guy that Paul looked at and said, you know what, not him. Paul, the Paul, said, you know what, I don't think I can trust that guy. But Barnabas looked at him and said, you know what, I'm going to back him. And this incredible like disagreement gets put in our Bible. It doesn't like sugarcoat it. It just says, man, there was a sharp disagreement. And I was thinking, like, why is it there? It's 
it's like one that shows us that this is actually just real life. Like the early church was not perfect. There was disagreements. There were mistakes. There was disagreements. There was like confusion. They it shows the reliability of scripture. It actually speaks to us. Like when you don't write scripture and put out your walks at all unless it actually happened. And this was true. So it's like if you're doubting whether like scripture is actually real, it's like why would you write that in something unless it's actually what happened? And then this is still the words that go on to change the world. And then just for us, from a purely simple perspective, it's like, man, we're not crazy. Like, when we're doing church here, it's like, when we talk about church, it can be easy to paint this incredible picture. And then when we live church, it's like, wow, it's didn't quite, it's not the same. We, we said we're brothers, and we said we're family, and we said we, it's like, I, I don't necessarily feel that all the time. And then, like, people hurt you, and they disappoint you, and I'm the first one to admit that ah, maybe I've hurt you or disappointed you or it's not a it's just the reality of life is messy church is messy but it's also beautiful at the same time that's why we've got the laughing crying church it's actually in the midst of this like disagreement and hurt and pain and brokenness we can look with our eyes of faith and actually see God is busy look at what he's done I look at what God has done over the last two years and I just say, thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for creating a safe space for people to come and find and worship you. To find community, to meet with you on a weekly basis. Thank you for people that have just sacrificed and had coffees and meals and invited people and gone and gone and gone and gone and gone and gone. Thank you. Thank you for people that have put time behind the scenes prepping and praying and practicing and serving and serving and serving and serving. So the first point is we look at Paul and we actually learn how to hold our conviction with humility. Because I don't want you to compromise on what you feel God has called you to. And sometimes that conviction is going to lead us to have disagreements. But we learn to hold it with humility because it's like, this is what I am convinced of. I can't force that on you. I can't expect you to to understand. I'll try and communicate and I'll try and invite you in. But if you can't, it's okay. Because God is far bigger. And God's plan is far, far bigger. The second one is, Learning to be patient with God's people and God's timing. Where Paul couldn't see it in John Mark, but Barnabas could. And I think if you spoke to Barnabas at that time, it's like, are you convinced that this could happen? It's like, no, I don't know. But I trust God. And he was just, he was expectant. And he was patient with God and his timing. And we can look at something like Trinity Central and say, hey, it's two years in. Maybe it didn't look like what we expected. But that's okay, because I look at what God has done, mm. and I look with eyes of faith, I'm like, I know what God can do. Yeah, it's mm. good, Andrew. Mm-hmm. So I'm patient to actually trust God in His timing and in His ways. Yes. The last one is Barnabas. 
the apostles actually rename him or nickname him like Barnabas. His name is actually Joseph, but they nickname him Barnabas, son of encouragement. And that's where I got this picture from. It's actually from my time at 3CI, um, where we were looking at just the concept of prophecy and what it does and what it speaks into people. And so a famous verse from prophecy is 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3. It says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The Greek word there is like upbuilding. It's actually it's creating a safe home. In a sense, it's building up a home for you. It's, it's speaking into somebody's life and actually saying, I'm going to bring security and safety. And that's what prophecy does. It actually speaks God's security. It speaks like God's words over you. It speaks God's message, His nature over you. And it tells you that this is who you are. This is how safe you are. You can actually be built up because you are made in the image of God. You're made to be that. Second one is encouragement. And it speaks identity. It speaks purpose. It speaks into your life like this is what you were made for. Not just the beauty of who you are, but actually you were made with a purpose. You were made with a gift. You were made to add value. You were made to contribute to the things and the kingdom of God. God is busy extending His kingdom and He uses us to do that. The last one. One of my favorite bits. The Greek word is actually paramethea. And it's basically, it's like it's calling people in to the, the myth of Christianity. And myth is not something made up, but it's actually... It's like a mythic tale. It's the story of Christianity. And it's speaking life into you. saying, I want to build you up. I want to show you how you play a part in what God is doing. I want to show you how that connects into the grand story of God. Because you look at the whole world is broken. And the whole Bible is a story of how God is redeeming that. And I'm busy studying a uh, subject on narrative just in general. And one of the things they say is you, to find narrative, you have to find who's the main character in the story, who's the protagonist and the antagonist, and then you've got the other characters that are just there. And their whole thing is it's like the, the only protagonist in the Bible is basically is God. He's the, the one underlying everything. And I'm not 100% sure that's true. Because the story from cover to cover in the Bible is how God actually wants to invite humanity to partner with Him in this. Humanity is not just some side character. Humanity is almost like the, the, partly the purpose of creation was God was wanting to show us what humanity can do in stewarding the world. And the whole goal that God has is to actually invite us in to a partnership so that we are like most co-protagonists in the story. Where he's trying to show us the perfect like, synergy of God and man. And how we partner together. And Jesus is that picture. 
And that's what like resolves the story of where we've got this early church where it's supposed to be this perfect story of the church starting. And then we've got disagreements and we've got division or multiplication, if we want to term it that way. But it's God wants to take this confusion that we have and actually bring restoration and to bring healing and to bring redemption and show us that actually He has a far bigger story for us. And we play our small part in that story. In Jesus' prayer just before his crucifixion, it's actually, God, I pray that they would be one as we are one. I pray for unity in the church. Ironically, that's what our entire Ephesians series has, has been about. Praying that we would find unity. get to kind of preach one of the closing messages for that series on <laughs> unity as we say goodbye to three couples that feel like the season is done. Um, I was asking God, how do we actually wrap this up? How do we, how do we steward this? How do we look at what God is doing? And what we have done is every week we've had communion because the only place where we find true unity is at the foot of the cross. We are united as a church, as the global church, as the universal church, because of what Jesus has done. We can have every disagreement under the sun, whether it's doctrinally, whether it's practices, whether it's the way we want to do church, and I don't actually care, as long as you love Jesus. And if we do, then I can love you. <coughs> and we can fight for those relationships. And we can celebrate what God has done over the last like, two years. And we can look back and say, you know what? God, you've been so kind to us. Thank you for the time that we've had together. Thank you for the growth that I have seen in people. Thank you for the life. Thank you for every contribution. And we can fight for these relationships that maybe one day we'll see like Paul, actually, you know what? I, I didn't see exactly what God was doing, but I see now. So we've got a few little things. Um, so three couples, it's Patrick and Sandy, Cobra Celebrity, and Anton and Lynn. Um, we've got a few little gifts for you, but... I just want to say thank you so much. Mm. I consider it like the greatest like, privilege in the world to have been able to be your pastor for the last two years. <laughs> I've seen your kids grow.
and a few words for you guys, but I, I can share them privately afterwards. But Anton Kudu, I saw you as Zacchaeus. As Zacchaeus. Up the tree. Up the tree. Up the tree without a title. Up the tree without a title, yeah. I'm like, God, help me make sense of this. But I feel like there's an element that it's like you felt on the outside that you had to climb a tree to look into what God was doing. And he said, come down. I need to be in your heart. I need you to be 100% involved in this next season. This is not just a time of the grandkids. This is a time for you to operate and to step forward into everything that God has for you. seem like a strange morning, you might not understand fully what's going on here, but um, I really feel like God's inviting us to actually understand those three perspectives, like Paul, to hold our conviction with humility, to be patient with God's people and God's timing, and like Barnabas, to actually learn to see with eyes of faith. Barnabas son of encouragement. Can we be a church of encouragement? Can we be people that actually look and see the potential locked up inside of each and every one of us? Each and every, like every person that's actually frustrating you or hurting you or disappointing you or it's like actually if we see them with the eyes of faith see them with God's eyes then we can have compassion for them. And we can forgive them. And we can say, you know what? There's a bigger future for you. And I want to help shape that for you. And I want to speak into it. And I want to just add whatever I can to help you understand what God has for you. How you can use the gifts God has given you to add to His kingdom. To love those around you. Lord, help us to see with your eyes. Help us to be healed to bring healing into all the pain into all the hurts to all the disappointments the dissatisfaction the being overlooked being I don't know what it is Lord I pray that you'd help us to understand that you are our loving Father you have created us with a purpose you have given us gifts you have spoken life into us You have given us your son that showed us the perfect way to partner with you in this kingdom adventure. Mm 
And you are constantly showing us. You are constantly longing for us to come to you. And to ask you what our next season looks like. Pray that you give us eyes of faith. Dream about what the next season of Trinity Central looks like. How we are called to play a part in it. Or just whatever our next season looks like. Thank you for these three couples that have added so much. Thank you for their generosity. Thank you for their time. Thank you for every prayer prayed, every hour spent just ministering, fellowshipping, just adding value, worshipping, leading us, caring for us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for them. I pray that you would send them into the fullness of what you have for them. Bless them and keep them. Where you look upon them and shine upon them, Lord. Lift up your face of them. And give them peace, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. church plants have gone out from churches that I was a part of, two church transitions, and I've been part of one church plant myself. So I've seen many changes in church leadership and changes in church dynamics and like shifting from one season to the next. And I think we, we're very good at putting spiritual language around it sometimes and even so, like so much so that John Christ is like a video mocking the Christian language and what it means for like kind of getting fired from a church. No, your season is just coming to an end. God is going to release you into the fullness of the next thing. And it's like reading my Bible, it's here I am, send me. And it's like, I felt like this was for Warren. <laughs> so, and it's like we, we can say some of those things and a lot of it is true, but I think sometimes we avoid just the the emotions of it and the, the wrestle and sometimes it's challenging to figure out what exactly God is calling us to and what's next and how how do I add myself and what's it going to look like because sometimes it's hard because I think Barnabas was a man who was naturally gifted with encouragement 
And maybe it takes a conversation with somebody that actually sees that in you and sees that in helping you understand what the future is. And I've been wrestling through, I'm like, oh God, how do I help people? Because I don't want to, I don't want to hold on to people, but I want to speak into their life and I want to help wherever I can. So basically just a, an open invitation. I'm like, if you are wrestling, if you've got emotions, if you trying to understand what, what the next season looks like for you guys, just come and speak to us. The door is open. Um, like it is a transition and there's, a, there's an opportunity and there's an invitation to be a part of whatever God is going to do next and whether that's at Trinity Central or not God has a future for you mm-hmm. and if we look at this story it's like a disagreement or a, like a difference of opinion on how to actually minister and go forward can be resolved to actually multiply the effectiveness of the gospel and the fruitfulness of ministry. And it can lead to Mark being restored and actually raised up to be an author of Scripture. And Paul later sees it and it's like, man, this is definitely not the end. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to each person here. You'd lead them, you'd guide them, you'd give them a strong conviction of where you are sending them. But teach us to hold our convictions with humility and invite counsel into it to invite guidance into it, to see how God is moving, to trust with patience your timing, your positioning, what you are doing, God. Most of all, I ask that we would be like Barnabas type people, sons of encouragement, sons and daughters of encouragement, that we would speak life and identity into each other and into our futures and into each other's futures. That with humility, it's not about thinking less of ourselves, but it's actually just thinking less of of ourselves less. We actually think about others more, and we think about what this means for them, and where they're going, and how I can help, and how I can add value. Lord, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you've done. I pray that you bless these people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.